0: This month, we both read A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab, a popular fantasy novel about blood magic and world hopping. Kel is London's royal messenger. He is also an Antari, which allows him to magically travel between three parallel Londons, red, grey, and white. Traveling requires him to use blood magic, which is physically taxing, but Kel indulges in a bit of smuggling to keep his spirits up. After a trip to white London lands him in trouble, Kel flees to grey London and meets Delilah Bard pirate captain and cut purse she robs him rescues him and befriends him at the promise of a magical dangerous journey as they work to put their worlds to rights kel and lila make harrowing escapes and work against a dark and evil force survival is essential and loyalty is complicated in this fast paced fantasy Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today, we're discussing A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. I'm Curtis.
1: And I'm Chelsea. We're answering a listener question first about why we read fantasy. Our number one question asker, Katie, asked us, what elements of sci-fi and fantasy are you drawn to?
0: Well, I'm more of the fantasy sci-fi reader, so I feel like I should take the lead on this question. Go ahead. Um I'm into world building, characters that have banter and wisecracks and relationships with each other. And I think a big factor for me is commitment from the author to building a wide and expansive universe. Because I look at the sci-fi and fantasy series that I'm really into, it's like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, that are all thousands and thousands of pages that I can really dedicate myself to and dive in.
1: I think that I'm a little bit less inclined to like that expansive fantasy. I've read a couple of Game of Thrones books and I liked them fine. The fantasy that I tend to like is fantasy that's got a little bit more grounding in reality, so I really like the Outlander series because it's also historical fiction, but it has a light fantasy element. I liked... Hazelwood by Melissa Albert because it was fantasy it was fairy tales but it was grounded in real life and I guess I'm more focused on a plot that moves along quickly and gets me lost in the story rather than the details of the world sometimes if there are too many details I get overwhelmed because I just want to focus on the core of the characters and the plot and what's going to happen next
0: I feel like what you just said is going to lead into our discussion on A Darker Shade of Magic and kind of pay dividends for why we both of us feel the way we feel.
1: Yeah, and I will say I tend to read more young adult fantasy than adult fantasy, Mm -hmm. and you tend to read more high fantasy like series that are meant for adult readers Mm than YA. Although I've introduced you like Red Rising, I would call. Red Rising,
0: I would say, is like the only YA fantasy that I'm into, but I really enjoyed. I feel like that has more detail and is a larger world than like what you're talking about. Yeah. It's got the elements of like a larger high Mm
1: -hmm. fantasy
0: book that I enjoy.
1: But remember, we listened to the audiobook and I kept falling asleep in the car. (laughs) I think that I should read those in paper format and I would like them better. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to launch into our discussion?
0: Sure. Um,
1: People are going to hear page flipping, and sorry listeners, but I'm not going to be able to edit it out. You're just going to have to enjoy the ambiance, okay?
0: Just enjoy that we took copious notes and are referencing back into the book and actually wanting to talk about it. Can I just read the dedication first? Because that's my first note that I have, is I just love this dedication. Mm -hmm. For the ones who dream of stranger worlds. That's you. That's me. I like that a lot. That's very well done by the author. That's a good dedication. Um, So the first question is, what did you think of the setting and world building of the London multiverse? And then sub question, which London did you feel most drawn towards or connected to?
1: So I feel like we have to go into a little bit more detail about the background plot of the novel, because we did summarize at the beginning, but didn't totally explain what each London is like.
0: And for the listeners, we're going to try to keep most of it spoiler-free until a portion...
1: Yeah, we'll alert you.
0: Yeah, when we're going to get spoilery. But for the first part, uh, and we'll put a note in the description of when we turn into spoilers. But to kind of set the setting for all the Londons, there's actually four versions of London that are all in these parallel universes. And they're all vastly different from one another. So the world that we are in that we know of is Grey London. So there's no magic in there. Um, people are not able to use the magic in the sense that Kel is able to. And Kel is from Red London, which do you want to explain that one? More? Yeah.
1: Red London, magic is everywhere. So much so that people use it naturally and it flows through the river and magic is literally in everything. So it's really vibrant. And the royal family that is in Red London sort of adopted Kel because he is special. He is an Antari. He has these special powers that allows him to take messages for them to the other rulers in the different Londons. So the opening scene of the novel, he's sending a message from Red London to Grey London. And We're... this is all, according to V.E. Schwab, she said it's like 1800s. Yeah. And the I think
0: 1819 I have mm-hmm. written down. The cool part about it is they move sequentially, like in order. So Grey London is the furthest away from like a magic center of the universe. So they do not have as much exposure to the world of magic. Red London is the closest to them. And then following red is White London. So that city has been at war um, with Black London, which is the closest to the center of the magic universe, which we didn't mention in the intro. Um, But White and Black London have been at war for centuries when we introduced to the novel.
1: Except Black London is closed off.
0: Because... In Black London, everything was, it was like pure magic. So people would speak a magical language, magic was in everything, and it got to the point where it was overwhelming. And then in order to protect themselves, Red London actually cut off communication and flow with White London, essentially leaving White London up as a sacrifice to be consumed by Black London.
1: Yeah, only the royals talk back and forth to each other and
0: only through Antari so people like Cal, who are the only people that can move between the worlds it used to be where flow and people could move back and forth between all of the worlds yeah
1: and I feel like this is already getting convoluted but I knew it would because (laughs) describing a fantasy is always difficult but basically red London is magic gray London is no magic it's what we think of as our human regular London white magic Or white London has magic, but it's like repressed and it's darker and kind of evil and dangerous. And black London is forbidden. It's closed off. It's dangerous because the magic is completely uncontrolled. Right. Kel and the royals are the only ones who know about the other worlds. Otherwise, the humans that inhabit them are unaware that there are other worlds besides their own.
0: Yeah, which is... The cool part that I liked because there's a little bit of the subterfuge and like royal plots and stuff like that. Um, Kel is only one of two Antari that exist. The other one is Holland, who works for White London, mm-hmm. which we could get into later in a little bit. But they're very adversarial, um, and the part that I want to like focus on for the transfer between the worlds is that's where the blood magic comes in. So magic is very tied into the blood. And there needs to be a blood, either like cutting of the hand or the arm, and making symbols in order to make these doors that go through each of the worlds. So, that's I actually like that part where there's a name for it. Uh, the Antari is kind of a cool society. And the fact that there used to be more of them, but now there's only the two, mm-hmm. make, makes it kind of cool.
1: So, in terms of the world building and setting in London, I had first heard about this book, I think, on a podcast, and I was interested in it, but I had the misconception that the four different Londons were all, like, of the same world, Mm -hmm. just different in the sense that magic was added in in some of them, so I thought they were all London, Great Britain, however... Pretty early on, you discover, no, they're actually completely different worlds. So the world of white London, it's not actually called London, and it's more like a Danish, like Scandinavian world. Mm -hmm. Grey London is typical like Great Britain London. And then red London is more... I don't know how to describe the culture of that one.
0: It's very regal. I think it's more like Middle Ages classic relationship. Maybe. Is how I was reading it. Like the royal family is very much invested in the like, society, yeah, and people care more about the royal family. So, but
1: it's a totally different world, totally different country. Mm-hmm. So there's different languages as well. So Grey London, our world, they speak English. It's exactly what we think of as London. But the other Londons aren't even London at all. They're just completely different worlds with different countries and different cultures, which yeah. I thought that was really cool. And that was a lot broader than I thought it was going to be.
0: The part that I liked was that all of them have... Like the River Thames, but it's not called the River Thames in all the other worlds. But there Mm -hmm. are factors that are the same in all the worlds. Like there's a tavern that Kel will go to in all the worlds that's in the same location in all the worlds. They're just called different things. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Because it's like, as somebody who moves between the worlds, he has to find things that ground him. Mm -hmm. And going to the same tavern that's in the same place was a cool touch that I liked that the author had. Um, As for which... London I felt most drawn to, I just like the mystery with Black London. The fact Mm -hmm. that we don't know anything about it in this book, it's not addressed at all. We just know that it's cut off and magic like overwhelmed and consumed that society. So I really just want to know more about that world. Yeah. How about you?
1: I actually really liked all of the scenes in White London. Yeah. And I would be interested in reading a book like on the history of White London and specifically on the two twins who are serving as the king and queen of white London. Mm-hmm. The Danes, they call them. Um,
0: Astrid and Athos. Was that his yeah, name? I forget. Yeah.
1: But I really liked those scenes. I felt the most tension whenever white London came up in the book. And I just thought that it was really interesting. Gray London is easy to picture because it's the London that we might think of. I thought of it as kind of like steampunk-ish. And Red London, of course, is like gorgeous and elaborate. But as much as you said that the mystery was Black London, I really thought White London was compelling and fascinating. Interesting. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Do you want to go with the second question?
1: Well, I have a question for you. Go. Because you made a point to talk about the world building and the immersive nature of the novels that you typically like. So did you find that the world was built up enough that there was enough detail to satisfy that for you from a Darker Shade of Magic?
0: I mean, not to spoil things, but it, it takes like a quarter of the book before the main plot kicks off, mm-hmm. which is all world development, which I liked actually. Yeah, um, We'll get into it later, but I had issues like once the plot actually kicks off, but I felt sufficiently informed as to how the worlds interact, the intricacies of moving between them so i really appreciated the level of detail that schwab went into and on that front so i I like that part of it
1: i might have a quote that one's about blood magic which we'll come back to i think probably when we talk about the tropes yeah okay all right so this is when kel is explaining to delilah about the four worlds because like we said he as an antari knows about them but nobody else knows Kel ran a hand through his auburn hair. It stuck up at odd angles from rain and sleep. There are four worlds, he said. Think of them as different houses built on the same foundation. They have little in common, save for their geography. And the fact that each has a version of this city straddling this river on this island country, and in each, that city is called London. That must be confusing. It isn't really when you live in only one of them and never think of the others, But as someone who moves between, I use color to keep them straight. Gray London, which is yours. Red London, which is mine. White London, which is Holland's. And black London, which is no one's.
0: Yeah, the way that I envisioned it in my head is they're all like a, they're in linear fashion. And if you pictured like a fire is at the center of the universe and is magic. Mm -hmm. The further the world is away from the fire, the less exposure it has to magic, which would be gray, red, white, and then black is the closest.
1: I have another quote that goes with that. The other Londons sit between, Kel explained. A small book rested on the table by the bed. He brushed his thumb over the pages. The worlds are like pieces of paper, he said, stacked one on top of the other. That's how he always thought of it. You have to move in order. Gray London, red London, white London, and black. So I kind of like that. That's how I pictured it, probably just because he described it like that. Of, mm-hmm like pages next to each other like you know on a word document when it says collate and then it has the pages stacked that's what I pictured that's the nerdiest thing
0: that works too what nerdier than me picturing them as like being away from a fire
1: that's like fantasy nerd yeah yeah (laughs) did you identify any fantasy tropes or main tenets of the genre and what did you think of those
0: um well like the big one is the blood magic or magic in general. And the like. The passage that talks about that one is um, where they're talking about like how it's a reverent thing. Um, so magic is neither an infinite resource nor a base one. It was meant to be used but not abused, wielded with reverence as well as caution. So it's like this cautionary tale of, yes, Antara can use this magic, but we've already seen what happens when a society uses too much magic, like what happened with Black London, where they try to control it, where it mm-hmm. becomes part of their language. So that was kind of like there's a cautionary tale with using too much magic, but still, like, he has a reverence for it. And it's, like, something that he incorporates into his work and his life, but is not something that he's trying to abuse. Mm-hmm. So that I, I like that relationship between it. Um, other than that, there isn't really, like mythical characters really like there aren't elves or dwarves or anything there's it's all human based but it's really magic and Mm -hmm. um, moving between worlds which I thought was really well done Um, one of the other tropes is like the the forced amnesia portion of Kel where he's got a scar on his elbow that is uh, like symbolic for memory Mm
1: -hmm. and he's got
0: like forced amnesia where he doesn't remember things yeah um and even his name he doesn't really know his full name just when he was found on his knife had the initials kl which developed into kel Mm -hmm. so we don't really know a lot about him and there's that mystery element of yes he's an antari and he's revered in this society or feared one of the two but he doesn't know who he is so he's on his own like quest to figure out who he is And he has these powers that he doesn't really know a lot about Mm -hmm. and just uses cautiously. So those are like the main tropes that I found, which I thought were pretty effective.
1: Yeah, it definitely follows the hero's journey. For sure. Um, The hero is born with special powers, is called to something, rejects the call, accepts the call. It follows that basic pattern that you see in Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. One of the main things about the magic... Throughout the entire book, balance seemed to be the theme. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, why? And then I kind of came to the conclusion that magic was synonymous with power, whether that's political power, because the royals, you can see, are kind of using magic in order to gain more power.
0: Right. And because Rye doesn't really have a good connection to magic, they're worried mm-hmm. that's going to be a reflection on him as a leader.
1: Right. And so it seemed like the theme of the book was how to balance power when you have privilege. Because Kel has this privilege of having power. Other people don't. Mm -hmm. And how do you use it to help others and not abuse it? And I thought that that was probably one of the main themes of the novel.
0: Yeah, I, I think that was also important where the different worlds have different perspectives on the use of magic. So, like, yeah. Red London is very, like, reverent attitude. People have this, like, healthy fear of Cal because he has these magical powers. And.
1: Well, and they're kind of, like, in awe of him. Right. They, they have magic, too.
0: Right. But then, in. Like, but he's special. And then, in, like, White London, people are, like, downright afraid of the use of magic because right. the,
1: the leaders take advantage of them because of it.
0: Right. So, I, I feel like that's an interesting part as well, where. Even the use of magic has different connotations in different mm-hmm. worlds. Um, the other part that I want to bring up is like there's magical tools that he uses. And the coolest one that I was interested in was his jacket.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I
0: loved his jacket. I feel like that's a really so cool does Delilah. <laughs> I love it. So like I, I have this part where like, she is going through his pockets and looking through stuff. And she says, how many coats do you suppose there are inside that one? So the cool part about Kel's coat is, if he moves it inside out, he can it. It makes a different coat. And but it's
1: not just two. It's not like it's a reversible coat. No, he's got
0: like hundreds. In right. Him. And the cool part that I sound is like, uh, this is Kel now. He says every now and then I think I found them all, and then I stumble on a new one.
1: Mm-hmm. And sometimes
0: old ones get lost. A couple of years ago, I came across a short coat, an ugly green thing with patched elbows, but I haven't seen it since. So, like, little twists or turns with his coat and, like, new things will pop out. I thought that was really cool. Yeah.
1: And it's fun. It's a fun tool for him because when he goes back and forth between the Londons, you figure they're completely different worlds, different societies. The fashion is obviously different. So he
0: needs a new coat. So when he
1: goes to Red London, he'll have, like, a flashy military style, like, red coat, all beautiful and shiny. And obviously you go to Graylin and he's like, all right, I got to tone it down a little bit so I don't stick out. Got to have something
0: with the patches (laughs) on the elbows and like a little charcoal gray type of thing. Yeah, That is fun. I I like that because it's everybody needs to have, or it's a trope that you need to have these tools Mm -hmm. and these things that have magical elements to them. So uh, the fact that his is a coat that can change inside out, now that it's getting to be like winter weather season and I'm bringing out my jackets, (laughs) I I like that. I was like, because I look at my stuff and I'm like, why can't I just have this green one, tan one, one that like <laughs> I magically turn inside out and it makes a new thing? So yeah. I, I thought that was cool.
1: That was fun. Okay, so we've been talking about Kel and Delilah quite a bit, quite a bit, and I would kind of say that they're the main characters. But what did you think of the characters in general?
0: I mean, I was more interested in. The story of the characters and their backstories than the plot that came about if i'm perfectly honest like i mm-hmm. would have been more interested in just kel and delilah diving into their stories and going on little adventures rather than the one that they ended up in um, delilah is probably my favorite character um i think she,
1: she's mine too
0: so she i like the honestly i just like the word cut purse yeah to describe her but she's a thief and wants to be a pirate and has these like delusions of not really delusions but ambitions for adventure hey, yeah that's a that's a good alliteration um <laughs> but um I, I, her, my favorite quote from her is that I'd rather die on an adventure than live standing still yeah. so she is the embodiment of somebody who's not happy in her current situation and gets thrust into this situation where she gets exactly what she wants she gets mm-hmm. an adventure she gets to go to these different worlds and she's honestly she's just my favorite character
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I really, I'm glad that she was introduced because Kel was fine. Aspects of him were interesting. His abilities were interesting. However, I didn't really find him that compelling as a character. I didn't always know what his motivations were. And then until the very end, you don't really see, does he care for people? Is he selfish? Like I didn't really feel like I knew him the way I knew I knew who Delilah was from the first time she was mentioned mm-hmm. and the first scenes that we saw her. Yeah, Kel, I, it took a long time to figure him out, which maybe that was the point.
0: Yeah, I feel like Kel is more meant to be like delved into in a sequel where we can find out more about his backstory.
1: I think we will.
0: And I'd, I'd be more interested in just... A journey of self-discovery for him where he kind of figures out who he is, what his background is, how he got his amnesia, Mm
1: -hmm. who he was before. Well, and maybe that's the difference is Kel maybe doesn't know who he is.
0: No, I think he's still on a journey trying to figure himself out. And the fact that he smuggles things between worlds, even though he isn't like supposed to, is him just trying to feel something in
1: Delilah knows who she is and she's not going to apologize for it
0: she wants to be a pirate captain and steal Mm -hmm. things from people I
1: think one of my favorite parts of the book was um this isn't really spoiling anything but there's a ball and Kel goes into the ball ahead of Delilah and she's dressed in her gray London clothes so she needs to go to a shop and get something new to wear and in a lot of other fantasy novels you know Delilah is identified as a female character, but she's got these really androgynous attributes. So one of my Mm -hmm. favorite things is she goes into the shop and you kind of think like, oh, she's going to come out in this beautiful ball gown if you've read enough fairy tales. And then she comes out and her outfit is described and she's got this kick-ass jacket that's kind of like Kel's. Mm -hmm. And she's like so proud of her boots because she like knows you can't be a pirate without the perfect pair of boots. And she just really finds a lot of, power in her androgyny she kind of cross dresses as a man in order to not be taken advantage of but she's totally fine with being mistaken for one and doesn't care and so she's just really totally fine with that like fluid area and knows what she likes and she likes bomb jackets and cool boots she and also, I just love that
0: she also loves knives yes which <laughs> I bonded with her immediately over because like later in the story she ends up with this knife and she's like showing it to Kel and she's like, hey, isn't this cool? It, the grip on the knife has metal curves around the knuckles. And so she can, she's like, you can use it for hitting so you can stab them or you can <laughs> knock their teeth out or you can do both. Not at the same time. But, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, didn't you already have a knife? And she's like, you can never have too many knives. Yep. So I, I bond with that because...
1: Multi-tools and... I
0: buy knives all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you can never end up with and too many. And you know
1: what? They do come in handy because whenever I'm like, oh, I need to open this package, but I don't have scissors nearby. You're like, oh, pocket knife.
0: Boom. Ready. They're in like multiple... It's just that like
1: military Boy Scout
0: kind of b- thing. Never in the Boy Scouts, but made no, up No, but it. there's
1: so much between like Army and Boy Scouts. The preparedness stuff. Oh, yeah. That you can... Draw parallels too. There's
0: a good bet that in most of my shorts or pants, there's a pocket knife that's just sitting in there somewhere, and yeah, or a, and or a flashlight. Yes. So <laughs> I, I ag- love that part about Delilah where she knows who she is. She just loves knives and jackets and boots.
1: I actually thought Rye was a fun character. So
0: Rye is Kell's
1: adopted like brother
0: in Red London. So he's like a member of the royal family. He's the son of the king and queen and he's the prince so Kel is like trying to train him in magic Mm -hmm. to be more adapt because when you're the king you're supposed to have a better connection to magic um I I, to be honest with you I didn't really get a lot out of their relationship
1: no so I didn't get much out of their relationship there's hints at a bond between them but it almost seemed like because Kel was adopted in this family, he doesn't know for sure how or why, and he doesn't really feel like he belongs with them, that there's a little bit of tension between himself and Rai. But then by the end, it seems like they're so close and they love each other so much. And that confused me. Yeah. Um, however, I did like Rai. I kind of like that he has his flaws, that he's not good at magic. And kind of, I think, seeing how he navigates that in the next couple of books will be interesting. But he's also, he's a lovable party boy, which is very rare. He's
0: like a Prince Harry.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: Or he's just like this lovable rogue that's never going to be king.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> Except Rye is probably going to be king. Yeah. Eventually. Um, the note you have in here is like, how did you feel about the pacing of this story?
1: But we didn't even talk about Holland and the twins. My bad. I loved the evil twins you can tell they're evil right away because they're really mean to everyone when you go to white london
0: also they drink people's blood
1: yeah it's (laughs) creepy and awesome
0: but i mean if blood is the source of magic then they're all just like yeah we're gonna get that blood
1: i mean holland you kind of are supposed to have mixed feelings about i think and i see how he served his purpose But I feel like he was just kind of a throwaway character.
0: A little bit, yeah. So, so Holland is the only other Antari that's known in existence. Yeah, and he's been forcibly bonded and like in bondage to the twins. Yeah, to where they like have this control on him and they can make him do whatever they want. So you kind of feel bad for him in that sense, but he's also just kind of a dick. Yeah. So you're like, was he like that before, or is the yeah is the bond making him? It's hard to tell. I feel like he was that way before like had to be but part of it is just aggravated by the yeah. fact that he's in bondage and subservient to these like crazy people and
1: they allude to the fact that he could have vied for power in white london mm-hmm. because white london is always in upheaval so there's just like a constant turnover of nobles like The royal family does not have a lineage there. It's just whoever is strong enough to take power. Yeah. So there's this allusion to the fact that Holland at one point could have taken over, but he ends up being subservient to these evil twins. Yeah.
0: I honestly felt mad for him, but then I also, whenever he's around, I feel like he's just a dick.
1: Yeah. I think that's how you're supposed to feel. But I, yeah, I love Lila. I think she's such a fun character. She's my
0: favorite. I feel like I would enjoy... A story with Kel more if it was delving into his backstory, because that was interesting.
1: I think you'd have to read on to get what you want.
0: Well, we'll see if I'm at that point where I want to read more when we get to some of these later
1: questions. Yeah. So how did you feel about the pacing in general, like the plot?
0: I mean, I've already said that the first quarter of the book, um, Kel and I don't even meet, and it's like world building. I felt like that portion of the book I enjoyed the most. When we start kicking off like the actual plot, I didn't really enjoy it. I felt like it was not as in-depth and kind of things happened too quickly. And we can delve into satisfaction with the ending in a bit. But sufficient to say I enjoyed the first quarter of the book. And then once the main story kicked off after that, I felt like things just went too quickly for me to really engage with. How about you?
1: I was happy with the plot. But like I said, I am most accustomed if I read fantasy, it's usually young adult fantasy. And in young adult fantasy, it has to be page-turning because the target is young adults, like short attention span. <laughs> um it has to be really fast-paced. And so I felt like I enjoyed reading this book the whole way through but I loved like the last 100, 150 pages because it was like, boom, 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 things keep happening, dominoes. Yeah. And I liked that because it just like took me away through the end and I wasn't thinking about anything besides what would happen next. Yeah. So I know we tried not to talk about this too much before recording, but you did mention that you felt like things got resolved too quickly and too easily. Yeah. And I can see that, but I don't think it bothered me. I think I was fine with it because it just seemed to me like, well, this is just how it's going to go. And there's magic everywhere.
0: So things might just resolve quickly.
1: Right. Because remember, there's magic everywhere. It's in people's blood. It's in the elements. It's literally controlling the universe. Magic is the source of power. So you kind of figure things are getting resolved because magic is resolving them and restoring the balance. That's kind of how I looked at it.
0: I think the easiest way for me to put it is I'm used to like a Michael J. Sullivan where there's 20 page fight scenes and then this book where there's like a three page fight scene.
1: I think that's why I liked it because I would not read a 20 page fight scene. I would get too bored.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's just the difference. Like I I was reading this book and when there's conflict, I'd be like, oh, it's over already. Like I felt like it resolved itself too quickly for me to be really feel that sense of satisfaction.
1: I hear you. But
0: I get where you're coming from where... Like, it's just trying to be, like, moving on to the next thing, be page 30. And, uh, like, because of the target audience, I think.
1: Yes. It's not young adult, though.
0: No, but she's a she's written for young adults prior to yes. this. So I wonder if that, like, bled over into the style a little bit.
1: And I do think, like, I would recommend this to students.
0: Oh, yeah. For sure. It's I would have been all about reading something like this in high school.
1: I think so. I think I would, too. So I think with... The compelling characters and the way that the plot moves quickly, that this would be great on audio. For sure. I have to renew my free trial on Audible, so I might do that too. But today's show is brought to you by Audible, and Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30 day trial membership, which I think I might just take advantage of to get the second.
0: Well, since we're offering it, you might as well.
1: Just go to audibletrial.com slash he read she read to download A Darker Shade of Magic, or I believe the second one is A Gathering of Shadows for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash he read she read to get started today. So, again, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash he read she read. Again, audibletrial.com slash he read she read for your free audiobook. Pretty much for the rest of the episode, I think we'll talk about some spoilers.
0: Goodbye for now, people.
1: (laughs) You've been warned. Okay, so Kel and Lila are obviously siblings, right? Hear me out. She's missing an eye. Antari have one black eye and one, like... Color Like, colored like what we think of any regular human eye.
0: And they do say that she, they feel like she has some connection to magic. She's
1: able to travel between the worlds, even without the stone.
0: Right. And at then, the end of the book. And they say that she, they feel like she has a connection to magic, too. hmm I felt like she was just another Antari. I didn't feel like... Because there's not a requirement or a, like... How, how, how would I say this?
1: There's not a, like law that they have to be related. Like, the Antari aren't all related to each other. No, Holland
0: and Kel aren't related to each other. So I feel like there's definitely an implication that she's an Antari in Gray London, but that she's not... I don't think she's related to Kel. I think that's out of bounds.
1: I do think she's for sure an Antari, but I think there's a chance that they might be related because we don't know his history and background. Hmm. And I think it's entirely possible. I also think the twin thing is kind of interesting, how they have astrid and what's his face i think it's athos athos Athos, whatever yeah um i just kind of think that might be like a little bit of parallelism with if cal and lila are actually twins too
0: right and how they kind of both steal things and are similar in that regard i didn't get that so Mm -hmm. i got that she was an antari but i don't feel like I, i would need to see more like basis for Antari being siblings or some sort of history into his background before I would yeah. jump to that conclusion
1: I just think there was obviously something pulling them together
0: I think it's just because they're both Antari you think so oh yeah like he feels drawn and a connection to Holland whenever Holland shows up
1: yeah I feel I like suppose. there's just a blood
0: connection to somebody else that's able to manipulate magic like they are yeah um on the surface I love their relationship I feel mm-hmm. like it's I didn't really get a lot of the romantic. I think it's very platonic. I think it's platonic.
1: I don't even know that Lila is interested in men. No. It really doesn't get mentioned. There's no romance whatsoever, which I liked. I thought that was refreshing. I liked
0: the fact that they were both just like, we're on an adventure and Mm -hmm. we're going to solve this problem.
1: As much as I love when there are main characters that have that sexual tension and the will they won't they, and I think often that leads to more banter, I felt like... Kel and Lila with their sort of, I can't decide if I'm loyal to you or if I hate you (laughs) because they're in a predicament together and and they they bug each other. And they
0: still had good banter. Yeah.
1: And I just, I think it was refreshing to see a couple of people who were strictly just friends and like cared deeply about each other by the end of the book. But In a platonic way.
0: Right. The fact that at the end, they both go their separate ways on their own adventures. Yeah. But you know they're going to get back together sometime.
1: I could be wrong and things could happen in the next books, but it It, didn't seem like there was a romantic connection at all. There
0: there wasn't the basis for that. Um, How did you like Kel and Rye's relationship?
1: So we mentioned before that it seemed fraught in the beginning and middle of the book, but then by the end... Kel is willing to sacrifice his entire life for Rye, which I didn't think that he was that loyal to the family. He feels like an outsider. I didn't think he felt that loyal
0: No, to Rye. I didn't get that. The distinction that I read is Kel belongs to the royal family in Red London. Like he's, he's there. He's a servant. They use him for communication between the worlds. They basically own him. and They
1: try and treat him like a son. But, and he is well-treated. But like, he's
0: still an outsider. Yeah. And the relationship is more like business and he serves this function versus like we never see the king and the queen being like loving towards him.
1: No, I don't even think we really saw Rai being loving towards him. No,
0: I feel like the first three quarters of the book, it's all very much he's an outsider. They only use him for functions to talk between the worlds yeah and then when he makes the sacrifice with rye
1: to like bond their
0: uh, lives together that's the only time we see like a real connection with them
1: the thing is i think it would have made more sense to me the book made it sound like kel bonded himself to rye out of brotherly love it would have made more sense to me if kel bonded himself to rye out of love for red london because he didn't want them to be without a ruler And, like, if he thought Rye was the best ruler, he didn't want a situation in, like, white London to happen where people would be fighting over the throne. Yeah. That kind of would have made a little bit more sense to me. It wasn't that believable that he, like, sacrificed himself. Although, maybe that's just how Kel is. Because he's willing to sacrifice himself to take the stone which we haven't even mentioned because I think we didn't want to spoil it, but Kel has this stone that belongs in Black London. He's willing to sacrifice himself for the entire world and take that stone to Black London and never come back.
0: Yeah, because he has this sense of greater good and duty that comes with being an Antari. But then on top of that, we're able to see that he actually has a a connection and love for Rai that makes...
1: I I don't know. I guess the duty would have made more sense to me.
0: Yeah, I, I bought more into that because of the groundwork that was laid for the Antari Mm -hmm. that they are like protectors of the worlds and stuff like that so I bought that he would take this artifact and destroy it in Black London more than I was like why would he want to like make the sacrifice I think
1: probably we just needed more scenes with Kel and Rye to get their relationship more established Rye's
0: barely in the book
1: yeah hardly at all yeah did you think that Rye was going to end up being in cahoots with Holland because remember there's that scene early on in the novel mm-hmm. where Holland is meeting with Rye, and you don't know why and then he doesn't get mentioned but it seemed like it was kind of like pushing you towards thinking that Rye was coming up with like an evil plot or I thought since he didn't have magical powers and he didn't seem to want to work for it I thought maybe he was just trying to get magical powers like the easy way out
0: which ended up being what happened is he went to Holland. Trying to because he wasn't Mm -hmm. didn't have that much of a connection, and then ended up in the same situation that Holland is in, where he got marked and bonded back with the twins in White. Right, where they were using him as like an inside agent.
1: I'm just saying I've read so many books where in typical YA fantasy, Rye would have been the villain.
0: Yeah, I didn't see that at all.
1: And that's what I thought was going to happen but I was glad that he wasn't and that it was actually white london invading.
0: Yeah. I, that didn't connect with me. I don't know. I feel it like it would he, have
1: been the obvious choice to me.
0: Yeah. I maybe that's a YA connection that you mm-hmm. made, but he wasn't in the book at all or like enough for me to make a full determination on what type of character he was. Yeah. Unfortunately.
1: So, all right. What did you think of the ending? In general, like, were you satisfied with the end? So basically, I'll
0: I'll just kind of dive into my like hesitation about the story as a whole.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: The ending, I'm fine with, where the conflict is resolved. um, Like Rye is
1: saved by Cal,
0: right? And then Cal and Lila are both content to go off on their separate adventures. Mm -hmm. To me, the problem is unresolved questions that i have and then also i feel like the story moved along too quickly for me to really get invested in the plot i feel like the plot was just too many things were happening too quickly for me to fully get invested in like and something that i don't really understand is so they're in cal's in white london right he gets drunk in the palace with astrid and athos Mm -hmm. he's walking about the streets and then this woman shows up and plays on the fact that she knows he's a smuggler, gives him a letter to take back to Red London and gives him this little packet uh, or like... The stone. Right, which eventually is the stone that is a fragment from Black London. Who's that lady? Where (laughs) where did she get the stone? And how did she end up in White London? And like where, where... And then he gets to... Red London, and feels like the hairs on his neck stand up, and then there's people there that are waiting for him. Who set him up? Mm -hmm. Like, that's never resolved. Like, the whole point that becomes down the line is that Astrid and Athos are trying to take over Red London using magic and Mm -hmm. are using...
1: I thought they set him up.
0: But then they try to get the stone back.
1: They set... Yeah, but remember they set him up because they had the other half of the stone.
0: But then why if they have both parts of the stone and they're trying to fuse them like if they both if they had both parts where they were trying to get it to put it back together to use
1: they wanted i think they wanted to do that once they had taken over red london so that they had the foothold there
0: but why did they need to send the stone to red london the first place
1: they were framing him remember
0: i don't know i that that part didn't really click with me because if they were trying to get the stone halves together and use that as, like, this tool for using magic, Mm -hmm. they probably could have used that to go between the worlds anyway. Yeah. Because the stone has that power. So why would they go through the trouble of trying to set him up and then take the stone right away once it got to Red London? That part doesn't really make sense to me.
1: Yeah. I just remember, like, in the final, like, battle scene. Yeah. So Kel and Lila have to go back to White London to fight the danish twins Mm -hmm. and the twins are like obsessed with beating him of their own power and so they've kind of got this obsession with like being the most powerful and the most magical
0: kel kind of plays on that where Mm -hmm. like they were like beating his butt with like magical powers and then he like plays them for fools being like hey you can't beat me by yourself which again typical resolving it too quickly yeah um but again my problem with the whole thing was i don't really understand why or the like how he got set up and who set him up to get this stone to red london and then there's like this whole other portion of like a b storyline where there's like this manifestation of magic that is taking over red london where people are killing each other or mm-hmm. people infested by this magic like and then magic itself like speaks to Kel, mm-hmm. and then is like this evil manifestation that's trying to take the over the dark,
1: black magic. Right,
0: yeah. and then he has to like fight that. I wanted something where it's like that, like evil manifestation of magic is the one that set him up and had the the stone, and was had this like grand plot to turn like the whole world into Black London. I would have been more in, into a storyline like that because if we're meant to believe that. The Danish twins had both pieces of the stone, then split them apart, and then right away wanted to put them back together. That doesn't make sense. So, like that's the that's the problem I had with the story. Is I
1: don't remember if they did have both right away.
0: So then, who had the stone and gave it to the lady?
1: I'm feeling like maybe I read too fast.
0: No, I because I read back and went over this part. It doesn't really add up. So somehow this. I ha- was
1: just content to go with it. Now you're ruining it.
0: I'm, I'm this. I'm glad that like we're having this discussion though because (laughs) now you're into my frustrations and how my brain works because I got to the end and I'm just like, there are unresolved things. And also this whole beeline story that was happening while they're trying to take the stone through the Londons and get back to black London. That really doesn't make any
1: sense. When you think about the next books in the series and you figure there's going to be more drama with black London, like we're going to end up there, right? Mm -hmm. You have to figure that there are powers at play. That these worlds can't be held separate for forever.
0: Yeah. But then I was really hoping for, like, when he has that confrontation with the evil magic, for them to kind of reveal that they were behind the whole thing the whole time. And, yeah. like, set him up with the lady and the letter and were the ones that put the stone and into his hands. Because as it stands right now, I just have too many questions to be fully satisfied.
1: you should have written it. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, like I'm not satisfied with the story, and I I feel like you're
1: supposed to be because you're supposed to want to read the other ones, the next books.
0: It's it's not even that. It's I have read stories like initial stories that are trilogies where I am satisfied with the conclusion, but still have unanswered things that need to be resolved. My problem is I feel like there are plot holes that were not fully explained that. I could have just pushed the I believe button and been like, hey, yeah, this is happening. But I have questions and it doesn't make sense to me. So I just didn't. (laughs) I didn't enjoy it as much as probably you did or Mm -hmm. other people would because I felt like there were things that warranted explanations that never got explained. You're
1: such a nerd. I'm
0: I'm just saying like I (laughs) that's the expectation that I have as a fantasy reader is I have like if, if a plot comes up and a point is made, I feel like it needs to be resolved.
1: But you said that they were being resolved too quickly throughout the book. Yeah.
0: So like the fights and the confrontation and, oh yeah, we got to get, we're on this journey. Like we're off to see the wizard type of stuff where we got to get this stone to Black London. That whole part. Like their
1: challenges, their trials in between were all too easy. Exactly.
0: And then in addition to those things happening too quickly, there were problems with the plot and holes.
1: Basically what it boils down to is... It was a 400-page book that you wish was an 800-page book. Even si- And even I was six. happy with 400 pages.
0: Probably. And I don't want to ruin your experience with me like saying these no, things. No, I was
1: just saying that. I still enjoyed it, and I would still read the next books in the series to see what happens, especially because I love Delilah Bard so much. Yeah. That uh- it's worth it to me to figure out where she goes.
0: I just feel like I'm the only, I'm on my own little island here where I'm the only one who has problems with this book cuz yeah. this
1: is beloved. I know,
0: and everybody seems to like have no problem with it and just is like, yeah, this happens. Yeah.
1: I would not be surprised though if there was at least one person who listened to this and agreed with you because that's how fantasy works. You know, we
0: can only hope so because then otherwise I'm just <laughs> a ranting lunatic on a book podcast.
1: No. It's I blessed. I'm sure that there are people in your corner
0: do you at least understand my perspective like
1: can um, you see what I'm i saying? can see it especially knowing the other fantasy that you read and knowing that you do prefer like longer more detailed a lot more explanation i can see where you're coming from yeah i just don't like those things i don't like i don't like 20 pages of explanation when i can have two and i liked that this moved quickly
0: but even when i was saying like there were things that didn't feel resolved you had i didn't even
1: like, think about it yeah that's i just, just didn't even think about it that hard because i was i loved the characters like i was invested in them getting through everything okay i liked the mystery and i liked the unknowns i like not knowing everything and being surprised and the plot was moving quickly enough that i was just on the adventure yeah. And I didn't, I didn't care to think about it as deeply as you did. Yeah. I also read it faster. True. And so like you, I think maybe I read it in maybe six reading sessions. By the last one, I think I read like 200 pages in one go.
0: I was reading it in you like... You
1: read it in smaller chunks. Like
0: 50 to 100 pages. And then I was going through it like over three weeks.
1: Yeah. So I think maybe with your reading of it being more spread out, you had more time to stew in it and think about it. Whereas I just kind of like binge read I'd,
0: I'd buy that for a dollar yeah but now I've said my piece for people that love this book don't come at me but also <laughs> come at me because I feel like it'd be an interesting discussion if, if yeah. I if I miss something and you guys are like no Curtis that's wrong just hit us up on the Instagrams let us know and tell me how I'm wrong did
1: you did you look up the like wiki for the book series
0: yes and you didn't no, find the answers did there. not find the answers I was looking for. okay I feel like it's just accepted that we don't really know or we're meant to believe like who set him up and how that whole thing went.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to read the second book at some point. I don't know when. And I will let you know how it goes because I don't think you'll continue the series unless I give it a winning I
0: will review. not unless there is a really good storyline involving another adventure to Black London. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, more stuff revealed about his past. And if we find out who actually set him up.
1: Well, I'll let you know.
0: So those would be my criteria. If that stuff all happens, I would definitely be back for more.
1: Yeah. So uh, according to my research, Sony has purchased the rights to adapt A Darker Shade of Magic for a limited TV series.
0: We talking HBO or Netflix? or? Well, I
1: don't know. It hasn't gotten to that point yet, I don't think. Okay. Gerard Butler is the one who snatched it up. which makes me skeptical as like a
0: producer
1: producer yeah oh god i hope he's not in it
0: no maybe he'd be he'd be a good holland
1: yeah actually okay i'd be fine with him as holland that's the that is it though holland or the king
0: no he'd be a good holland like he plays like the gruff
1: but if he's anyone besides holland or the king i'm out but he he would be fine as holland okay he would be okay
0: so the question is who do we see as our dream cast?
1: Yeah. Who would you like to see in it?
0: Um, Kel? Zachary Levi.
1: He's too old. No, he's
0: not. Yes. No.
1: I thought of Kel as in his early 20s. Eh. I
0: mean, yeah, but you're going to see some changes like as it gets adapted. I feel like Zachary Levi has enough sci-fi and fantastical experience that he could pull it off and also... I don't know I, feel, I, I just like him as an actor and I feel like he's got like the uh, how, how do I say this like Kel isn't supposed to be like this ultra handsome Ryan Gosling like lady killer
1: no type that's thing. why he's
0: supposed to be like lovable but also like reverent of magic and kind of a little bit of a nerd yeah that's Zachary Levi that's for
1: why Tom Holland as Kel no first of all he's British no
0: no mm-hmm. Tom mm-hmm. Holland is—he's in too much stuff.
1: Exactly. He's
0: in too much stuff.
1: But I think he would be perfect.
0: Mm. I don't know. He—he he feels like too on the young side for me.
1: Okay, so here's what Barnes and Noble Fantasy Cast says. They say for Cal they imagine Dylan O'Brien. Mm. Excuse me. Tom Holland is his age. They're casting the babies.
0: I can see Dylan O'Brien. Actually.
1: They also say KJ Apa or Rami Malek.
0: Not Rami Malek.
1: For Lila, they say Ruby Rose.
0: No, no, no.
1: I just don't think she's a good enough actress. Just no. For Rai, they say Daniel Kaluuya. I could see him as royalty. I'm
0: here for that, yeah. Uh, The twins, Tilda Swinton.
1: And Mark Warren. Ooh! That's who they say. I
0: totally just pulled Tilda Swinton out of nowhere. Is she really on there?
1: Okay. Yeah, she is. (laughs) But I feel like that's like too obvious. Oh,
0: but she'd be good. But
1: I pictured, again, I pictured them younger. Yeah, I pictured them like young and ambitious.
0: I don't know. I feel like Tilda Swinton would be perfect.
1: She could play that role in her sleep. Let's get somebody who's like gonna do a different take i
0: mean it's basically just rehashing <laughs> the white witch and exactly of that's boring but she's good at that that's a good role for her
1: mm, i don't know i would honestly be more interested in seeing some new names and some british actors that maybe don't always cross over to american television and movies but or maybe like you know like the more masterpiece pbs kind of british actors i would be interested in that and some new people
0: but I really like the Natalie Emanuel from mm-hmm. uh, Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, I think she would be great as Delilah. Yeah,
0: I like that a lot, actually.
1: But I think this was a good first buddy read for us. It definitely led to a lot of discussion.
0: I kind of liked... Uh, there was a little Star Wars reference in there. Did you... I'm guessing you didn't notice it. Um, right when they're about to go through the door um, the for the first time, Lila and Kel together, and they're not sure if she's going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, she kisses him, and then is like, for luck.
1: Oh no, I do remember that part because that's what made me think, they're siblings.
0: Because of a Luke and Leia connection uh-huh. from New Hope. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nicely done.
1: That was, but that's kind of what made me think of it. And I was like, this is kind of like Star Wars. Uh-huh. So I did make the connection, but I thought of it as they're like Luke and Leia.
0: You can see in my notes that I put Star Wars with a lot of exclamation yes. points.
1: I, but I didn't think of it like for luck, it, I, didn't t- I did not make that much of a connection, mm-hmm. but I thought to myself, they're Luke and Leia, they're brother and sister.
0: Well, we've got our theories, so we'll just have to see if you're proven right.
1: I might have to do like a bonus episode of just me talking about the next books <laughs> if you don't read them, <laughs> <laughs> or me just talking to you about them yeah. and telling you.
0: Well, I feel like I made my peace and Mm kind of got my things out there it's good it's just not for me
1: fair enough well if this book was for you and if you enjoyed this episode and you want to share a similar discussion with your reading buddy or with your book club we have a discussion guide available for download on our patreon page so for one dollar per month you can enter our patron only giveaways we don't have one posted right now it might be a little while um and you will receive a discussion guide for each buddy read episode so if you want to support us at the one dollar level you will get discussion guides um we included more questions than we discussed on this episode together 10 questions i think yep we included further reading which was like more articles about the book and book recommendations based on if you liked a darker shade of magic than you might like this list.
0: For $3 a month if you wanted to upgrade to that you'd also get a monthly newsletter. Uh, Chelsea spent four hours crafting this one for this month that includes some behind the scenes info a lot more book recommendations than what we cover on the podcast and a bunch of our favorite things like recipes we love this month.
1: Mm -hmm. Pumpkin chili. Nice. Chocolate chip cookies.
0: Those cookies were delicious.
1: Yeah. And um, finally the last tier that we have is $5 per month. So that's about the price that you would pay for a fancy latte. So you can figure once a month, I'm treating Chelsea and Curtis to coffee. (laughs) But basically you'll, you'll receive all of that plus bonus episodes. And if you're listening to this on release day, tomorrow we're going to post our bonus episode so that you can preview that content before deciding to sign up for Patreon. But I think you're really going to want to do it.
0: That's going to be our monthly wrap up. Yeah, we'll talk
1: about, for sure once a month, we'll talk about the books that we read that month. Um, But we also might have interviews, we might um, do like extra book reviews, like TV and movie chat, kind of stuff like that. So
0: Uh, we hope to see you on our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash he read, she read, or follow the link in the show notes. Also, send any questions or content requests our way via email, he read, she read podcast at gmail.com. And you can always connect with us on social media, Twitter and Instagram uh, at he read she read with those questions or if you have any comments related to this week's episode.
1: Yes, remember that our next buddy read so we'll share a similar discussion like this on You Learn by Living by Eleanor Roosevelt in November.
0: I feel like it won't be as controversial.
1: No, but I think there will be a lot to talk about. For sure. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes. We've been podcast listeners for a long time, and I never understood why reviews were so important until starting a podcast. We would love it if you left a review for us. Thank you for listening, and remember the couple that reads together.
0: Also finds random stoles references in fantasy books. I don't think I've ever reference.
1: Thank you.